0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith
1: And we're ready to cross the Jordan. And we're getting ready to face God. We'll look at our prayer life, how we've loved, how we've served. And Peter is saying that the church needs to be a church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And this morning, I want to ask you, will you commit that yourself?
0: Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives. Why is it important to live with the end in mind? In today's message, Pastor Ed reminds us that we keep a heavenly perspective in order to remember what's truly important. At the end of our lives, when we meet Christ face to face, all that will matter is the time that we spend in fellowship with Him through prayer, our service to others, and our love. Through Christ's strength, we accomplish these things. And this is what our earthly lives should be about. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Living with the End in Mind.
1: The greatest conquest is he who conquers himself. So you submit your will to God. You die daily to yourself. You do God's will and you follow His agenda. And if you want to be a servant of others, well, we must master ourselves. He's saying, when you go into the prayer closet in the church, when you're praying in your home, make sure you're clear minded. You have the mind of God. Make sure you're self controlled so you're not governed by the flesh, but you're guided by the Spirit so your heart is in tune with God. And you're in harmony with Him so you could pray the way He would want you to pray for your family, for your friends for yourself, for your children. When you're prepared to go into the prayer closet, when you're self-controlled, clear-minded, when you go into the prayer closet, what happens is you'll be guarded and guided in your prayer. It says, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Prayer is our spiritual lifeline. Prayer is a lifeline between heaven and earth. We're to stand as watchmen upon the wall, praying for one another, praying for the church. It's so important that this place be called a house of prayer for all people so that spiritual warfare can take place and victories can happen. And so he's saying, You want to be prepared, and you can be prepared. You could pray. God's mind, God's heart, God's will, God's purposes. And think about it. As you're praying, you're saying, God, I see the end. I see you coming back. And you're rewarding everyone according to their works. So what's happening is you're recognizing that God is the judge of all the earth. And you want your heart aligned with his heart. You want your mind aligned with his mind. You want your steps aligned with his steps. Every Christian should practice and develop the discipline of prayer. It is not easy. I mean, sometimes it's easier than others. Especially when we're in trouble. Especially when we're going through a problem. Especially when we don't have money to pay the bills or we're in a physical problem. All of a sudden we're able to spend time in God's presence. But uh, even when things are going well, developing that consistent prayer life helps us prepare for the coming of Lord. Helps us keep on that compass that God has for our spiritual life. Now, he goes on and He makes another priority, a priority for all of us, and it's not very easy. Peter says we are to love one another. Verse 8, above all, above all, love each other. That's not easy. You know that. It's hard to love people in your home sometimes. (laughs) But Peter knew that too. And he wanted the church to love one another. Now, perhaps Peter was remembering Jesus when he met him by the seaside at the end of John's Gospel. And Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus responds, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, feed my lambs. What he's saying here is this. Our love for God is always seen by our love for others. The measure of our love for God is not unrelated to the love that we have for other people. That's what Peter is getting at. And he says, it has to be a love that is demonstrated. In verse 8, not just a feeling in our heart. It has to be something that we do. Above all, love each other in a shallow way. Correct? No, deeply. Now that word, it means stretch, pull, strain. It's a picture of an athlete in a race. And all of their muscles are strained and pulling. A picture of an athlete working out. And they're straining. And they're pulling. And they're... Going above and beyond. See, that's the type of love that God expects from believers. You can't do it on your own. And I can't. Only God can help you to love in that way. But that's what he tells us to do. A love that is constant and intense and committed. Then he illustrates it by taking a real personal example. He takes that in verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now there's a historical context that unless we understand that, we won't understand what, what Peter's saying. The early church was primarily house churches. Most all of the churches were in a home. And they didn't have very many inns in those days. They didn't have a holiday inn and all those different places. They had a few inns, and most of those inns were places of deep sin. And Christians, believers, would often have visiting teachers and preachers come to those different house churches. They would be traveling from community to community to community and minister in those different house churches. The Didaka was a guideline for the early church. It was written about the first century. We believe at the end of the first century. And it gave the criteria for how people were to act in the church. And one of the criterias was this on visiting pastors and visiting preachers. They said they should stay no more than one day. And at two the most... And they should be careful how much they eat, and they would be a false prophet if they asked for money. (laughs) That's what it says in the Didache. Now, this was a document that the early church used and was guided by. He said, now, offer hospitality. Picture it now. A home is opened up, and there the church is. And in that church, in that home, maybe you had 15, 20 people. And they're sitting is a convert. They've been serving the Lord for a while, but they just don't know good hygiene. And when they leave, the windows are open, the doors are open. They're trying to get fresh air in. There's another convert in there. There's another believer in that house. And, and that person, well, they don't get along with so-and-so. And so they sit on the other side of the room while the other person sits on that side. And so they're in that congregation. And then there's another believer there. And they grumble and grumble and grumble and grumble and complain and complain. And then there's Sister Talkative. Service finishes, everything she's still ready to talk. Hasn't even gone down for a second wind. You know, it just keeps on going. Didn't need it. Then you have another person in there, and they just they don't know how to be courteous. They're rough, they're rude, they're well, you know, they step all over your feet and on your heart as they go home. So you have all of these problems. And what does he say? Show hospitality. Aren't you glad we have a nice church building? <laughs> How do we apply it today? I think that what he would say is, Befriend people, even though it may be difficult to get along with them. Even though you may see things that, oh, I, It's hard to handle. The Bible tells us that we're to offer hospitality. And so if we do that, we'll be blessed by God. So we love in a very practical way. We demonstrate it. But there's a tremendous power when you do that. Who loved you more than anyone else? Jesus, right? The cross. He loved you while you were an enemy. While you opposed him. He still loved you. He died on the cross for you. He loved you. Love has incredible power. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. What's that saying? Well, what he's saying here is that God's love on Calvary buried our sins underneath the cross. Never, ever to be recovered or recalled or rehearsed. We are to love people in such a way that it's redemptive, that it changes their lives, that it transforms them. All of us have been to the place where maybe you were thinking ill of a brother or a sister in the Lord. All of us have done that? Well, one or two. (laughs) Thank you for your honest ones. But then you have an encounter with them and you found that, boy, that wasn't what I thought it was. Or you find out something different and you realize, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. He's saying that love has a way of redeeming situations and circumstances and even people. Now, f- love is the opposite of hate. You can't love God and hate people. You can't do it. There's a disconnect. It doesn't work. Because if you love God, you have to love his children. You know what hatred does? This is what it does. When it finds the flaws and faults and weaknesses of people, it lifts it up to humiliate them. Real love Sees the best and it covers over the worst. I don't mean we excuse sin, but I do mean that the way we talk about people, the way we act towards people, real love covers sin. In Proverbs 10 12, it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. When we hate people, stir up strife, cause conflict, show their flaws and faults, air out not our dirty laundry, but their dirty laundry. Faults are thick when love is thin. Just think about that. We see the flaws, we see the faults. That magnifying glass of criticism makes everything more than it is. James, the Lord's brother, writes in verses 8 to 9 in chapter 5, You must be patient, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Take other people's sins and weaknesses and flaws and bury them at the foot of the cross. And don't go back and dig them up. You may find your own sins there. In the Bible, there's a story of Noah, that great preacher of righteousness, that godly man. Noah, for 120 years, warned people of coming judgment. Well, the flood finished he went to farming. He grew some vines, and guess what happened? He got drunk, and he was laying in his tent naked. His younger son Ham comes in and sees him. Looks at, him. with the light goes out. That's the indication. Tells his brothers. His two other brothers take a blanket, a sheet, and they walk backwards in the tent, and they cover their father and they never look at his nakedness. When Noah wakes up, he finds out what had happened, and he pronounces a curse on Ham. Peter is saying, James is saying, love covers a multitude of sins and weaknesses. Go the second mile, go to the third mile, Go to the fourth mile. If you have to talk to someone, talk to them. Follow Matthew 18. Deal with situations, but be very careful. Because love is redemptive, especially when it's God's love. It has a way of bringing the best out of people, not promoting the worst We're preparing for the return of the Lord. If we are preparing for the return of the Lord, we must become a place, a house, a prayer. We must become a house, a place of love. And the third thing he talks about, we must serve one another. Again, in verses 10 to 11, we see it. He talks, serve others if anyone serves. And notice that the text says that God gives grace in its various forms. These are gifts that God gives. There are various gifts of grace given by God. Notice that the gifts are given by God. Now we have a responsibility to develop them. Maybe you have a gift to sing, you've got to develop it. A gift to teach or preach, you got to develop it. A gift to serve in some area, you got to develop it. But God's given you that gift. And so you don't own it, you're a steward of it. It belongs to him. And it's to be used for him. That's why we encourage every single member to be involved in some area of ministry. Perhaps your area of ministry would be to write encouraging cards to people. Give encouraging phone calls. Maybe it's being an usher. Maybe perhaps it's helping to clean the church or teaching a Sunday school or or you have this gift of giving. But whatever the gift, don't bury it. Use it. And so he's encouraging believers. Now notice what the biblical text goes on to say. It says two things especially. He speaks about speaking and he speaks about serving. It says anyone who speaks, he should be as one speaking the very words of God. What he's saying is if you're teaching, if you're preaching, don't use men's philosophy. Don't use men's ideas. Endeavor to teach the word of God. I mean, I could tell interesting stories. I like stories. Use some good pop psychology. And we could all go out and feel good at the end of the service. But I really want to stay grounded and built on the Word of God. I feel that's a biblical mandate. My mandate is, our mandate is, the Christian mandate is to teach the Word. Speaking the very words of God. And those who serve, serve With the strength that God gives. All of you have served and worked in any area of the church. You can get weary and tired. There's a plaque in my office above my desk. It sits behind my desk. I have had this plaque for about 25 years. And I look at it again and again. I took it down the other day. I was with David John. And we were spending some time in prayer. And I laid my hands on the plaque. And I went over to David and I prayed with him. And I prayed for myself as well. Because this passage of scripture is a passage of scripture that I have stood upon for years and years and years. It says this. God is my strength and my power. He maketh my way perfect. Perfect. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 33. New King James, King James. God is my strength and my power. See, our strength comes from the Lord. To run the race, to fight the battles, to do God's will in your life. You can't depend on your own energy, your own strength. You've got to be in that place of prayer and communion with God. You have to be leaning on those everlasting arms. What happens is, At the end of the day, when we've done our very best, all we can say to the Lord, Lord, I just did what you gave me to do. And Lord, I wanted to do it well. For any of us, in any of our service to the Lord. We must recognize then that all of the glory, all of the praise goes to God. Anything that our church accomplishes, anything that you accomplish. In all, all the glory belongs to God. All the praise is to God. That is our aim—to show people the greatness and the goodness of God. We are here to bring Him glory, Him honor, Him praise. I think again and again about the story of Casper How none of us could have done that. It, and it, the miracle has happened. It is happening, and things are still happening that we stand back in awe and say, God, you're in this. And so the glory, it goes to God. Rose, I called Mary Pelosi up the other day. We spent about an hour on the phone. Thanks for the phone number. Mary was one of the women in my home church who was a real prayer warrior. She just loved people. I remember as a young person, she'd open up her house, and we'd go and have fellowship there. I remember eating at her table many a time. Her husband Lou was on the church board there, and he was a wonderful man. In fact, I, as a young person, I bought a Cadillac. I mean, that Cadillac spent more time in the garage. I was into it more than it was worth, and Lou helped me sell that. Anyway, I'll ever be grateful for that. Lou's in heaven now. Thank you, Lou. <laughs> but Mary and I began to talk, and she's right now in a retirement home. She's in her, I think, mid eighties. And most of our conversation focused on her years of service to the Lord. She talked about how she got into the scriptures and started to study the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and how she would take young people, both her and Lou, they had a place upstate New York, and they would take them camping and use that house and just a host of areas of ministry. After I got off the phone, I thought about that the thing that you and I will remember at the end is not what we've gathered for ourselves, but what we've done for the Lord in His strength. When the journey is complete and we're ready to cross the Jordan and we're getting ready to face God, we'll look at our prayer life, how we've loved, how we've served. And Peter is saying that the church needs to be a church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And this morning, I want to ask you, will you commit that yourself to that?
0: Today, you may be facing persecution from the world around you. Your walk with Jesus may have hit a rough patch, and now you're unsure where to turn. Or your life may be going well, and you're feeling the blessings of Jesus all around you. No matter the place you are in your life, there is always Jesus. He loves to rejoice with you in the triumphs and to walk with you through the trials. As Dr. Edward Jones continues to take us through the book of 1 Peter, We see that Jesus is the solution in every crisis and the one we can look to each and every day for our own strength. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well. We know how important social media is in people's lives today and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We would also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly worship. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us the love and hope that only Jesus can offer us. Your word restores and. Everybody wins when a leader gets better absolutely everyone the stakes of leadership are sky high everyone has influence come to the global leadership summit on august 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community the summit features leaders like bill hybels cheryl sandberg andy stanley and more experience the summit at faith assembly casperkill campus poughkeepsie august 10 and 11 register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit